two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievman. That was a great musical interlude. And thanks for keeping us entertained here, Craig, while we were getting ready for today's show. And the question coming through to me is an email I sent through just yesterday inviting everyone to join us for our JLI course in which we are discussing what is rethinking everything we know about the universe. And the email title was, Is Evil Real? And people are asking me, what kind of question is that? Is evil real? You know, the truth is, unfortunately, we see evil all over the place. If you tuned into the news an hour ago or whenever you listen to the headlines all the time, you read history books, you turn on your phone and check out what's going on on the web. And the truth is, sometimes we take a look inside ourselves and we recognize there are wars, there's crime, there's natural disasters, there's illness, there's poverty, there's greed. So many forms of misery, whether it's man-made or acts of God, but who could deny that there are bad things going on in the world? We all agree, we recognize, we see it with our own eyes, we hear it in the news and the media, and unfortunately, it's around us. Joburg is a lovely place, but it's rife with crime. But the truth is, as you've been tuning into this show, and especially for those who've been joining us in-house at our classes where we discuss this idea in depth, dissecting Jewish texts and discussing this matter properly. We know that we're rethinking the way we see our world. We're thinking out of the box. And so in previous shows and at our JLI courses, we've been asking, is the world real? We asked if God is real. And now next week, You're invited to join us for this very intense topic, one that is relevant to everyone. If anyone has experienced any kind of tragedy or trauma in your life, then you know how relevant this topic is. And we're going to be exploring what evil is. And the question is of whether evil is real or what is it? It's a very legitimate question. And I think it's important and it's key to understanding and dealing with What is certainly the most disturbing and challenging aspect of this world that we live in is the evil, is the difficulties, is the challenges, because it's a real tough discussion. And with everything in life, there's always two approaches. We could take a logical approach and an emotional way of looking at it. And if we're going to address the problem of evil, then we need to have both. We got to be frank. We got to recognize that there's an emotional conversation as well as a logical one. And when somebody is in suffering and pain, we can't use logic necessarily or at all to explain away their grief. You see, the problem of evil is it's a very much an emotional problem because each person deals with it in their own unique way. In whatever way it appears, whether it's human cruelty or natural disasters, you look at the news and you see this volcano that's taken so many lives in Guatemala just two days ago. Or if you tuned into the previous show, the D-Link, and you hear about illness that's affected so many people, and you think of the families and the individuals who are affected by it. And it's really strong feelings. People are in sorrow, outrage, really upset by it. Why do bad things happen to good people? 
So if you're only going to have this as a logical conversation, then we're obviously going to be neglecting to address a very important part of every person, and that's the heart, their soul, their emotional feelings. Imagine a person is suffering from a terrible illness, God forbid, and you explain to them from a logical standpoint why it makes perfect sense that they're sick. Would that in any way resolve the question for them? They're sick because they, you know, they smoke too much or they have lung cancer, God forbid, or whatever it might be, but they still want to know why. But why? Why is the illness? What's the purpose? Why does God create a world with evil, with, with problems, with negativity, with bad? And so from the logical side of the problem, even though you might be able to answer it, but there's still an emotional side. And let's, you know, talk about this. What is the logical problem with evil? Well, in the philosophy of religion, the logical problem of evil is actually given a very fancy name called theodicy. Theodicy is a popular way of explaining or expressing the problems that we have with evil. So let's understand the existence of evil as theodicy explores it is, well, we believe in God and we recognize that God is good. God's benevolent, kind, compassionate, and at the same time, omniscient and omnipotent, which means that God is all-knowing and God is all-powerful. But the problem is then, if you're going to believe or agree that God is good and all-knowing and all-powerful, well, there is a book that discusses this, written by Rabbi Harold Kushner, and he discusses why bad things happen to good people. And he discusses it actually um, at great length. It's a book that many people have read. It's a very popular book. And it's actually sold more than 4 million copies. So I think that says something about this book. It's been around for 30 years, uh, more than 30 years. And it's giving a perspective of a rabbi who's gone through a personal tragedy, the loss of his own child. But at the same time, it's expressing a a perspective. And in this perspective, he's not sure if God is actually involved. Maybe maybe God is, is not actually involved in the daily concerns of the human being. And yes, God is good and God is all-knowing, but God doesn't interfere. God doesn't intervene in the person's suffering. And that is a point that he proposes that he puts forth in his book. And if you've read the book, I'd love to hear your comments about it. Feel free to send an SMS or a WhatsApp into the studio. But basically, he's saying that, yeah, we believe in God and God is great and God is kind and compassionate and all-knowing. But perhaps... God won't prevent evil from happening. Or maybe God is good and is all-powerful, but God doesn't pay attention to what's happening in our world. Maybe God created a world, so to say, set it onto autopilot, and perhaps the world is just going and God lets it go. God sees what's happening, but God's not interfering. Or another possibility, this one would be really cruel to say, but... Maybe that God is aware and God's engaged in all that happens, but God chooses not to intervene. And maybe that 
negates God's benevolence and kindness. And if we want to say, as Judaism certainly teaches, that God is good and God is all-knowing and God is all-powerful, then the question still remains, why is there evil in the world? Why are bad things happening to good people? And we have to perhaps unpack and analyze these three perspectives from that Judaism says about God, that we believe in God and that we believe God is kind, compassionate, all-knowing and all-powerful. And then if we perhaps understand that perspective, we could then delve into what evil is. But of course, this comes with an invitation that you come to the course where we're going to really hash this out. We'll be right back. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 High FM. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. We've been talking about this question of theodicy, of understanding if God is good and God knows it all and God is powerful, then how can evil exist in the world? And the truth is, from a Torah perspective, we believe that God is all-powerful. And that's a fundamental principle of Judaism. And we discussed this in previous weeks, the idea of Hashem and the very name that we call God, and there are multiple names, but one of them being Elohim, Bereshit Bar Elohim. The world is created with God's name, Elohim. What does Elohim mean? Well, our sages tell us that Elohim means the possessor of all powers. So if God is the power of all powers, then certainly God has the power to intervene. At the same time, we believe that God is all-knowing and concerned with everything that happens in our world. That is a foundational principle of Jewish faith as well. And in fact, if you look in the Torah, you look in Tanakh and in Proverbs as an example, where it says that Hashem's eyes are everywhere observing the bad and the good. And in fact, we know that uh, our sages tell us how we're meant to bless God and thank God for both bad and good. We'll get to that in a moment. But something else, Maimonides talks about 13 principles of Jewish faith. And there he quotes the book of Jeremiah, where it talks about Hashem's greatness, that God's eyes are upon are open to all, all the time, to all of mankind, and God gives each person according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. So again, we see the idea of God being concerned with everything happening, everything that transpires in our world. And no doubt about God's goodness and kindness, that we have multiple multiple sources throughout Jewish faith, whether we say in our Ashrei every day, Tov Hashem Lakovarach, Amava Kamasav, God is good to all. God's compassionate compassionate to all his creations, or tzaddik Hashem b'chodrachah that God is just in all his ways and benevolent in all his deeds. In fact, our sages tell us that the whole purpose God created this world, as they say, olam chesed yibana, God created this world in loving kindness, and even more so, as the sages say, that God created this world in order to express God's goodness. So if that's the purpose of the world's existence, and we know that at the very end of the creation of the universe, what happens? What does God say? Verse 31, the first chapter of Bereshus. God saw everything that had been made, or the everything God made. And it is very good. It's exceedingly good. So again, the Torah refers to all of creation as good, and God is good. 
So if Judaism insists that God is good and God is knowing and God is powerful and all the other wonderful attributes of God's compassion and goodness and kindness and all those things, then why does God allow there to be evil in this world? If this is God's universe and it's referred to as a, a gun, a beautiful garden, so why indeed do bad things happen to good people? And this is, of course, something that philosophers and, and historians and, and sages and rabbis and many people have grappled with for millennia. And here we're going to try to address this particular question that so many people have. And just looking at the messages coming through in this regard, I could see it certainly is a popular question. And all I could say is join us in the conversation. We'll be glad for you to be at the course at the JLI on Wednesday where we could discuss it in person because there's so many aspects and ideas here. But one thing for certain that I was taught as part of rabbinical training is that we don't answer the question. We answer the person. Some people are shy to ask questions, but we got to remember there's no such thing as a stupid question. Yes, maybe there's stupid answers, but you can't be shy to ask your question. And one thing that we're taught is it's not about the question. You got to see where's the question coming from. So two people could be asking the very same question, but depending on who they are and where they're coming from, the answer could be very different and satisfactory or un, you know, not answering the question for the other. So here's a question I'd like to pose and I'd like you to share your answer. Who do you think is more likely to be bothered by evil in the world? Who's more likely to ask the question, why is there evil in the world? Do you think it's a believer or a non-believer? I, was considering to be an atheist, but I didn't see too many holidays in their calendar. Besides the point, it's a non-profit business. So, but really, who do you think would be more bothered by evil existence in the world? A believer or a non-believer? I'm curious, and I'd love to get your answers. Feel free to send your WhatsApp through into the studio or an SMS. The WhatsApp number is easy and free, 61 who do you think is more bothered by the existence of evil, by bad things happening in this world? Is it a believer or the non-believer? And if you say it's a believer, then I ask you, why would the believer be less bothered or more bothered? And the same thing about a non-believer. So maybe you want to explain your answer if you send it through that why would a non-believer be <coughs> why would the non-believer be less bothered or more bothered by evil's existence in the world. Now, it's nice to see everyone's um, response, but I need to, I want to know your reasons as well. Can't just tell me you believe it's the believer or the non-believer. Well, I mean, I take that, but it would be nice to know your reason. Let's let's just discuss this a little bit here. I see this Henry Henry weighing in and he says the believer. So, why do you say the believer and just uh, dissecting your words here, he talks about, he's saying that the believer believes that God's in charge, and if God is all those things that you describe, Rabbi, then that's why he's disturbed, because how could an all-knowing and all-powerful and a good God allow evil to exist? So I certainly agree with you. I think it's a good point you're making there, because it seems it seems to be a contradiction if we're saying that God is good, then and God is the epitome, the ultimate good, then 
how could God allow pain and suffering to exist in the world? On the other hand, I will say, Henry, that we also acknowledge when you're, when you believe in God, that our finite minds can't possibly comprehend all of God's reasons for everything that God does. So at the same time, I, I hear your point and it's a valid point. And in fact, I concur with you that the believer is more bothered, but the believer trusts God and accepts that there's a good reason for whatever happens in the world. Whether we understand it or not is irrelevant. We know we understand, we believe that God is in charge. God is the boss. God has a reason. There's a purpose for anything that happens in this world, even if I can't understand the reason. So just knowing that makes it a little bit more bearable to say, okay, I believe in God and I believe God has a reason. But that's not to justify why evil exists. It's just a counter reason. So thanks for weighing in there, Henry. And we'll be right back in a moment. Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Thank you all. Welcome back to Soul to Soul. Good to get the ideas being shared here and for tuning in to our discussion on our remaining few minutes. Let me just see these a couple of messages that came through discussing whether it's the believer is more bothered or the non-believer. And so far we discussed the why a believer is bothered by evil, by the existence, why bad things happen, because it runs contrary to the belief, and therefore, why? Why God? And at the same time, I counted that by saying at the same time a believer has God's, um, understands that God has a reason for everything. The thing is, we have here some people weighing in about the non-believer. What about the non-believer? What do you say? So, let's see here. The non-believer... Somebody anonymous says that, well, everything is haphazard. So the non-believer, I'm not sure if you're saying the non-believer is more bothered or less bothered. Well, let's see. The A non-believer, evil is just exposing the randomness and the meaninglessness of existence. So it's obviously disturbing. Okay, so you say it's disturbing to everyone and anyone. I hear what you're saying there. Okay, anyone will be disturbed whether you believe or not. That's your point. I got it. But let's just take a step back for a second. From the perspective of the non-believer, the world just blindly runs along its course. It's just Mother Nature. Things are just happening. Tsunamis, disease, massacres, car accidents, it's all there. It's all products of, uh, of physics, of chemistry, biology, psychology, you name it. Nature doesn't favor just good people. It treats everyone equally. So, Human cruelty is simply part of human nature, and there's no reason why the bad guys shouldn't win if they are stronger, if they have superior firepower, just better luck, right? If the world has no master, if you don't believe in God, if there's no purpose, then why should things be any different? So I do. there's two sides to this argument that anyone would be bothered by evil, but I'm a little bit perturbed by that to say that the non-believer is as... Why should a non-believer really be disturbed? You're saying any human being with a conscience is disturbed. And I'm arguing with you a little bit, just playing a little devil's advocate, is that nature isn't fear. So things happen. And you could even go as far as to argue that the very fact that a person is outraged by existence of evil might indicate that they do believe. 
on some level at least. So I'm not going to call an atheist a believer. Uh, somebody got very insulted when I once did that. Don't tell him he believes when he says he doesn't. Don't under, uh, don't embarrass his intelligence. But I do believe that there's something. I believe that you do believe. That's what I'd like to say. I believe there must be some belief somewhere inside there, because if you believe that the world should be good, why? Why should the world be good? I'm not saying that that, that atheists um, want evil. I'm not. I'm not arguing that point at all. What I'm saying is that the atheist. Technically, based on no belief, then why be outraged? And if you are upset, then it shows that there is a conscience inside. And I believe that conscience is some kind of a deep belief inside. At least on a, on a Jewish level, I would say there's the Pintalayit. So we got only a few minutes remaining here. And really, I welcome you to join me at the JLI course on Wednesday next week. You could choose the morning or the evening session to... To really understand and and together discuss and dissect this topic from a Jewish perspective, but I, I want to just share a few points from the Talmud. And what I mentioned earlier was that the Gemara tractate brachas that talks about the various blessings that a Jew has to make. And obviously, we make a blessing before we eat in the mor- before we eat anything. We make blessings when we wake up in the morning, and we we make blessings before we perform a mitzvah, and we thank God and praise God as the source of our material and spiritual nurture, whether it's before we eat or after we eat. So there's lots of blessings. In fact, a Jew is meant to say a hundred blessings a day. But do you, we all know that there are blessings that one has to actually say when, God forbid, you experience tragedy. And the Gemara goes on to say there's a blessing of Diana Emmet, right? When you hear somebody who passes away. Or the Brach of Hatova Ametiv. Blessed is the one who's good and does good. And we're talking here that that blessing is obviously when you hear good news, yes. But when you hear bad news as well. And the Talmud says, just as we bless God for the good, we have to bless God for the not good too. So if the Talmud puts that idea, it's basically telling us that we acknowledge, even though we don't agree with God's decision from our limited understanding, but we acknowledge and appreciate that God is the true judge and God knows what's going on, even though for us it's unpleasant to endure, to experience something not good in our lives. But at the end of the day, we acknowledge that God is in charge. And at funerals, unfortunately, I do too many of those. And there's a prayer that we say called Siddur Adin, accepting the righteousness of the divine judgment. And the truth is, it's, it's not invalidating our feelings of sorrow and grief. In fact, some of you listened last week to the show here with Rabbi Gartner, with Rabbi G, where he interviewed a group that came from Israel, from Hatzalah of Israel, to train us, a team here, in psychotrauma therapy and counseling people of going, who are going through trauma. And we're talking about the immediate acute reaction to a particularly traumatic event. And yes, people have to feel their feelings and have to go through the grief. In fact, I think that one who doesn't observe the protocol, the Jewish laws of Shiva, is really depriving themselves of a therapeutic benefit. I'm saddened when I've done a funeral and the, and the, the daughter ha- of the deceased had to go right back to work after. And I don't know if that's because her boss is just merciless and, and cruel, but in Judaism, we believe in seven days of Shiva. And when one doesn't observe those seven days, I think they're really depriving themselves of something. The same Shulchan Aruch that instructs us to 
to say that blessing Baruch Dayan Amet also instructs us regarding all the various laws of mourning. So, in fact, the Gemara or the Halacha denounces a person who fails to mourn as callous, as cruel. So we're recognizing that the death, whatever tragedy or difficult thing a person experienced is a negative event. But at the same time, recognizing that God's the true judge and God makes the ultimate decisions. So nevertheless, this shows us on the one hand, acknowledging and accepting, but at the same time, what we're going to explore is the Jewish perspective when we see some of the great teachers, our ancestors, Avram Avinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, who protest and they demonstrate and they challenge God, they wrestle with God about evil. And this is something we're going to talk a little bit more about next week. My friends, thank you for tuning in today. I hope you know of no bad and only good. And please, God, you have a pleasant, restful, and meaningful weekend. A good Shabbos and Carpe Diem. Seize the moment. Stay tuned for the news coming up next in just 20 seconds.